Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tech Disruptors by Bloomberg Intelligence. My name is Neeraj Patel. I'm a technology analyst on the Bloomberg Intelligence team, Bloomberg's in-house research group. Today, we are delighted to have the president of ZipRecruiter, Dave Travers, on our episode. We look forward to learning from Dave how ZipRecruiter is connecting people to their next job opportunity and how ZipRecruiter's technology is helping employers navigate the volatile staffing environment over the past few years and what's coming ahead of us. With that, let's turn to Dave, and we'd love to hear a little bit about your history and your prior roles before arriving at ZipRecruiter. Great. Thanks for having me. So before ZipRecruiter, I was actually an early stage venture capitalist here in Los Angeles and invested in a bunch of technology companies, including ZipRecruiter. So before I joined full-time a little over seven years ago, I was actually an investor and on the board and invested in the first round of ZipRecruiter's development and then took on a different role as CFO. And then a year ago, transitioned to being the president of the company. Okay. That's great. And just going from CFO to president of ZipRecruiter, you have both of you on strategy as well as finance. With that backdrop, maybe we can get your take on the current economic employment overview and the current status, whether it's an employer's market or an employee's market today. It has been a remarkable three years, to put it mildly, as we've all gone through the ups and downs of COVID, the recovery, et cetera. Where we're at today is we are still in a job seekers market, but we reached peaks six, 12 months ago that we've never seen in the economy, that on a relative basis, things have cooled a little bit. The balance of power is shifting to become more equal, but it's still a phenomenal, by any historical measure, a phenomenal time for job seekers to look for work and find a great opportunity, even if we're not quite at the peaks of where we were six or 12 months ago. And on on the point of the recent volatility on the pandemic period, do you see any long-lasting trends coming out of that time frame? this great resignation? Does it have a, a long tail from your view? Yeah, there are a couple. Certainly remote work, especially for white-collar workers, is a major long-term trend. And we're seeing a real reckoning now about some people who are questioning how great remote work really is, and some people who are doubling down on the employer side of things, of the equation to to really say remote work is the way of the future. What is not in question is the job seeker side. Job seekers love the flexibility of remote work, taking out commute time and other things that mandatory in office work. That doesn't mean they all don't like coming into the office. It means they all like the flexibility or a huge preponderance of workers really value the flexibility of not having to come into the office to work if that is in fact the case. How that shakes out over time, I think there's a lot of uncertainty around that, but I think it's very safe to say remote work is going to continue to have a much higher share and flexible and hybrid work and and various alternate work arrangements that are beyond the typical office arrangement are going to have a much higher share of especially white collar work as we move forward. The second trend I would say coming out of the last few years is just that there are a number of people in the economy that have not, even with this amazing labor market, 
a number of potential workers, potential members of the labor force who've just decided not to come back. Some of those are health-related. Some of those due to childcare and, and just two-income households that have decided they can, from a lifestyle and finance perspective, can be one-income households or retire people who are retiring earlier than they otherwise plan. But that structural lack of getting the labor force back to its pre-pandemic levels means that we could have a tight labor economy for a while, even as we go through a, you know, what is potentially a macroeconomic slowdown next year. And that's interesting, Dave. And just your comments here about more persistent tight labor economy going forward. Do you notice any shift in terms of employer or employee turnover? The rate of change of that, is that extending or is that set to decelerate going in a softer economy, you think, in 2023? I think there are two very good hypotheses about what's going to happen, and I'm not confident of either based on the data I've seen. So what is for sure the case is that people who weren't forced to switch jobs during the height of the pandemic slowed down and didn't voluntarily switch jobs at nearly the normal rate. So in other words, there was some pent-up demand for job switching that just didn't occur that would have normally occurred during the pandemic where people wanted to wait and see what happened, wait and see what, you know, what normal would look like at their new employer, whether they could meet people in person or get a sense of what return to work culture would look like. And so they just held off in 2020 and to some extent in 20, the first part of 2021. And so that built up some job switching pent up demand in the system. We've certainly seen that job switching occur. And so I think there's a big question now as to whether we're going to mean revert and come back to normal now that we've let out some of that steam, which is a good hypothesis based on the data. I also think it's a good hypothesis that we've just learned that more job switching, especially among certain types of younger workers, as an example, is sort of the new normal. We're just going to have to wait and see. I don't think there's a clear answer to how that's going to go. Got it. This is dynamic and a lot of questions surrounding the labor force. And have you seen, once again, looking at this picture from an economic view, any noticeable distinctions per industry? Yes, for sure. So certain industries adapt to change faster than others. And so government work, as an example, adapts more slowly. Technology work, sector work adapts more quickly. The question is, which things that change are fads that then sort of revert to historical norm and which things are bleeding edge showing the way that the rest of the labor market will follow? But we've certainly seen in things like job switching and remote work, as an example, where the tech sector is in the lead in those changes. And it'll be interesting to see how much that holds and how much that is a permanent shift. I think the early signs in the tech sector is it's permanent. And to the extent to which it reverts through the rest of the economy into different sectors is really an open question. And just the last question here on the economic aspects of employment, your view on inflation employment, the impact of wage inflation specifically, how do you see that from your eyes? Yeah, we've definitely seen tremendous wage inflation, which you know has a negative connotation from an economic standpoint, but from a worker standpoint, from a household economic standpoint, those are increases in salary and wages, which are really valuable and obviously could be eaten into by inflation and higher expenses. 
So we've seen a lot of wages and salaries moving up. We've definitely seen that pace slowing. It is not reverting to pre-COVID normal yet, but we see a lot of signs that we're headed in that direction. And the question is, because we're still in a tight labor market, the interesting thing is a lot of that slowdown in wages appears to be the psychology of believing we're heading into a slowdown, even though by any historical norm, we're still in a tight labor market where you'd expect to see wages going up. And so one of those two things is going to have to give. So either people are correctly anticipating a slowdown and there will become more slack in the labor market, or there's actually wage inflation pressure building up that in order to remain competitive is going to have to be released. But people are trying to hold the line for now, all anticipating that there's some slowdown to come. To the extent there's less of a macro slowdown next year, we could see a reacceleration of wage inflation based on just sort of the underlying fundamentals. And to the extent the economy really is slowing down materially from where we are today, then I think we'll continue to see a, a dampened wage inflation environment. What's interesting to me is that as I talk to and study lots of macroeconomic forecasts, it's close to 100% consensus that we're going to have a recession next year as people predict the future. Uh, people's ability to predict the future, I would say, historically has been quite weak. So if you look back at macro forecasts 18 months ago, basically... 0% of forecasters would have predicted what we're looking at today. And so I'm less confident than the consensus is, although it seems perfectly plausible. But I think that the, what's going to happen in 2023 is much less certain than reading headlines would lead you to believe. Got it. There's a fair point on trying to forecast the macro backdrop, given the past expert opinions and how they've deviated from actual events. And moving off of that, how about the employer's willingness to spend with these cross currents of higher inflation and higher wage inflation versus a slower economic backdrop? Yeah, what we've seen so far is that small businesses are being cautious in many ways. For instance, you know, we see that 40% of factories in the U.S. are operating below capacity and below demand levels because of a lack of staffing. They don't have the full headcount they need to operate at, at full levels. It's not 100% clear. In fact, I would say it's pretty clear the other way that some of that is due to cautiousness, not the inability to even find someone that people had six or 12 months ago. And so there are a bunch of smaller businesses, including all sorts of different types of businesses, where they're just being cautious and deciding not to bring on additional headcount, even though they have the demand to justify it today, they're cautious about what's going to happen tomorrow. Larger enterprises with robust balance sheets and more ability to look out and plan longer term continue to be hiring at much more robust rates. What we've seen in historical downturns and upturns, COVID being a perfect example of that, is that small businesses react faster to change and they react more dramatically. So large enterprises tend to be steady as she goes a little bit more. As a result of that, you know, what we're seeing today is enterprises, large companies, 5,000 employees, 50,000, 500,000 employees, still hiring at fairly robust rates and smaller businesses starting to pull back more, more out of caution than out of a lack of demand today. 
That's interesting, Dave. And how do you see the overall budget spend impacting the recruitment dollars that these two customer segments are willing to budget for? Yeah. So when people decide to hire, they know it's still a tight labor market. The willingness to pay to hire and find the right person is still very robust. So most employers, when they decide to hire someone, are willing to make the investment in that. And as we think about the world and where we're going, I think most business people feel the way we do, which is that the getting the right talent, the right person into your business, is it going to be more important two years or five years from now to have the right people or less important? And I think there's a pretty clear consensus that it's going to be even more important. And so people are willing to invest behind that. Where we see the caution today is holding back on the number of people that companies want to hire. And like I say, it's more acute. The change is happening faster. The pullback is happening more in in a more pronounced way among small businesses. And this ability or lack of ability to fill these positions, you see that moving through 2023. And how does ZipRecruiter manage these opposing dynamics where you, where you have the caution in terms of the number, but the dollar spend per hire is going up? So we're a two-sided marketplace. So we are constantly thinking about the overall health of the marketplace is better when we are doing right by both job seekers and employers. And so at every turn, we're thinking about where's the win-win opportunity for the entire marketplace that grows the whole pie, that creates more opportunity for everyone, and and constantly thinking about how we provide more balance when one side's out of balance with the other. And so the opportunity for us is to constantly be investing in both sides. So, for example, providing way better matching technology so that employers can find the right candidate fast So like by allowing someone right after they post a job to invite the very best candidates to apply before they've even heard about the job to receive a bespoke outreach from the hiring manager themselves saying, hey, you look amazing. You're perfect for this job. We'd love to um, have you consider it and apply. Job seekers on the flip side, love that. That's a win-win experience. The gratification that a job seeker feels by receiving that invite and feeling like they've been reached out to and seen and valued in the way they see themselves is an amazing affirming experience in addition to being a great way to find out about jobs they're fit for. And so that's an example of a win-win experience that works really well for both sides where technology is enabling the experience that some people have have had before when a high-end white-collar executive recruiter reaches out about a particular role But most people have never experienced that before. And that's what technology is enabling us to do is to create matches in that way that uses the best of technology, but does it in a very human, affirming, one-to-one way. That's very interesting. And maybe early data points on that type of matching technology filtering all the way throughout the uh, jobs seeker spectrum. Do you have any points on the response rates that you're getting from the job seekers on accepting the invite from an employer, potential employer? Yeah, we have never seen response rates from job seekers like that invite to apply that comes not from ZipRecruiter. The technology is ZipRecruiter, but the invite comes from in the job seeker's eyes from the employer. So we've never seen response rates like that. And furthermore, we've never seen employers, what we do is have 
employers are able to rate the candidates they receive on ZipRecruiter through our own software technology. And so they rate candidates thumbs up or thumbs down. We've never seen a thumbs up rate as high as those candidates that they've on a bespoke basis already invited to apply. And it makes sense. It's for two reasons. One, they saw a list of who we thought were the best, and then they chose from that list who they wanted to invite. So it makes sense. They're pre-selected that they're great candidates. Two, they come faster because those invites go out at the very beginning of the process. So the enthusiasm level for the recruiting process is really high on both the job seeker and employer. There's not this wait and delay, apply, then wait 30 days and see what happens. And then third, that individualized outreach changes the dynamic of the process from the sort of soul-sucking, satisficing, rather than optimizing process that people are used to, to an affirming one-to-one bespoke process that is sort of layered with positivity rather than layered with rejection. And so it's the combination of bleeding edge technology using artificial intelligence and deep learning and all the modern technology tools and applying it in a way that matches human psychology so that people feel like they're seen and valued. That's incredibly powerful and leads to incredibly high response rates on both the job seeker side and incredibly high ratings, including thumbs up ratings from the employer side. That's very exciting from an employee perspective. And do you see any type of ceiling on the title level in an organization that this matching technology could expand or reach to? No. The technology and the the human experience of being recruited and feeling like Uh, As I consider a new job search or I consider a new hiring, today the stats are roughly that about 50% of the time are both an employer and a job seeker happy on average in the U.S., where both sides are happy with the choice they made a year after a hire. And we envision a world where that is vanishingly close to 100%, where we can take the uncertainty out of that and remove the delay between deciding to make a job, start a job search, the delay between deciding to hire someone new and when that person is actually on board, when that job is actually started. When you take the toil and uncertainty and time delay out of the process, what happens is you have people who are contributing way more, have much higher satisfaction in their work life and in their life overall. And you have a phenomenon that I I ask small business people or large hiring business hiring managers all the time, you know, are you hiring right now? And a large percentage will say yes, some will say no. And if they say no, I love asking them, if I brought you the perfect person today for your company or your team, even though you're not hiring right now, would you hire them? And over half the time, the answer is yes. And so to me, that's a measure of the friction in the marketplace today, that all that uncertainty and toil and fear of failure in the hiring process or job search process out there is holding people back from making the move that would be what they need if they could find somebody great. And we're the people, ZipRecruiter's the team that is working hard to make that future reality where people are finding their great opportunity fast and where job seekers feel certain that they can find a great fit for them. That's very exciting for uh, seekers and 
engaging in technology to seek their next opportunity. And diving a little more into your technology platform, we would like to hear about Phil, your AI-enabled recruiter, and any metrics and how that's being adopted by seekers and employers. Yeah. So Phil is our Siri or Alexa, our human personification of our technology. And Phil's a little over five years old, but we've been using him more and humanizing more and more parts of our marketplace so that people experience a more human interaction with our technology. We knew we were onto something right away with Phil because almost immediately people started showing up to our office to thank Phil for helping them through their job search process to ask if Phil could go out to coffee with them or something to to say thank you for how great it went, et cetera. And if you had interacted with Phil back then, it was not very confusing whether Phil was a real human being or not, but it, it showed it was not about how advanced Phil was five years ago. It was about what the baseline expectation was from a job seeker that they expected to throw applications into the black hole and never hear back to never get any positive feedback throughout the process, to hope to find opportunity, but, you know, sort of secretly suspect nothing would happen. Introducing a human element into it has been foundational since we figured that out and started to get those data points about how much people craved those interactions. Phil has gotten a lot smarter and will continue to do so and is more pervasive throughout the job seeker experience now. So as you are onboarded now in ZipRecruiter, Phil is the one that greets you. So you're not filling out a form, so to speak, to use a turn of phrase, but you're having a conversation and your experience will be different based on the answers you give in your conversation with Phil. And what we see is we gather more information from job seekers that allows us to tune the job search process more. And we're able to get a much higher, so well over 30% higher completion rate of a job seeker profile by engaging someone in a human conversation with Phil rather than inviting them to fill out a form. And so that's intuitive. And what's the other amazing thing about Phil is that our technology feeds off of data. You have to input an incredible amount of data into a matching algorithm to create better and better results all the time. And it's much more intuitive to people to say, hey, Phil, that last job you sent me, you know, wasn't quite the perfect fit because of this reason. I had the interview, but I quickly figured out this wasn't right for me. That is much more intuitive in that human conversation with Phil than it is to see a search result and find somewhere to click to give feedback on a search result. And so the more human we make this process, the better we're going to be able to serve job seekers over time. So we're excited about the directions Phil can go. And I think you'll be seeing a lot more about what a human experience it can be to merge the best of modern technology with this feeling like you're being treated like a a human rather than a, a receptacle for a search result. Parlaying that question into how HR staffs generally, and also from small, medium business organizations to the enterprise size, are embracing technology? And second, how has the industry changed in terms of its acceptance or ability to manage the cost per click adjustments for uh, job posting advertisements? 
So in terms of adopting technology, what we found over and over again is employers don't view themselves as wanting to adopt technology or not. They want to hire people in a way that makes sense and works, works well, works fast. Usually they want to get back, unless you're a professional recruiter, you want to get back to your day job, not spend more time on recruiting. We are an enabling technology to do that. We're not technology for the purpose of saying, I use technology. We're the best way to hire. And it works. That is the core feature of our technology. What happens is we start with a job description, we start with a resume, and then we go way beyond that to be able to figure out what both job seeker and employers alike are looking for. And then we can quickly tune in. For example, what employers love is that when they rate candidates, when they rate their first 10 applicants, our technology gets smarter. And what happens is we started out with a job description. In a job description, it said college degree required. Very typical requirement in a job description. And then we sent you a bunch of applicants that have college degrees, but we also sent you one or two that have just high school diplomas and one or two that have community college degrees, but not for your bachelor's degrees, you rated a couple of them thumbs up because they have super relevant experience. They live very nearby, whatever the case is. They have some other attributes that overcome what turned out to be a preference or an ideal on a whiteboard, sort of ideal candidate that had a college degree. But it turns out as you think about it, and as you look at the universe of applicants, you find out that your requirements are different. But often as an employer, you don't go back and rewrite your job description. But we learn that as we go. And so now our technology is working even better. It's not so much that employers are looking to adapt to technology. It's that the process works better when you use our technology. That is what we see across employers of all sizes is the adoption of technology because technology is working better and better. And we're at the forefront of that. On your second part of your question about cost per click, what we see is that Large businesses with very sophisticated HR departments are very comfortable having a person or a team within the HR department that manages performance campaigns to get candidates the same way somebody in the marketing department manages Google and Facebook campaigns to get customers. And so they will vary bids and budgets for clicks. They will think about how different channels are performing. And we're happy to do that. Our technology works our ROI is very high. We do very well in the enterprise space and are growing very fast. With small businesses, they think about it differently. If your full-time job is to run your small business or run your franchise or, or what have you, figuring out what's a reasonable bid and budget for this job, how much should I pay for a cost per click, that's cognitive load that you don't need. So what we tend to do is, is present a flat rate price to get the candidates we think you'll need, and that price may be a price per day or a price per month. And then however many candidates you get and however long your job search goes on, and then it's easy to pause or move on to the next job with us when you finish hiring for that job. And so what we see is there's incredible sophistication among companies with 5,000 or more employees about managing bids and budgets over time and changing cost per click. And with smaller businesses, that's a, an unnecessary complexity that we would foist upon them and we present them with more flat rate pricing. And on your technology enabling HR organizations, how about the company job board 
uh, itself. Is your technology enhancing that? And do you see a future trend where companies will shrink ownership of job postings and job boards and rely more on your platform technology? The way our marketplace works, we have, you know, ZipRecruiter owned and operated destinations on the web, on mobile apps, et cetera. We communicate with job seekers in a number of different ways directly. We also power the technology of hundreds of other sites. So there are other job boards out there that are in part or in whole operated on a fully white label basis using ZipRecruiter's technology. And then there are um, thousands and thousands of employers whose jobs are posted on and all their job listings are on ZipRecruiter and that's where you apply to the job. In addition to employers who have very sophisticated enterprise applicant tracking systems, they're called, where the applications are collected. But ZipRecruiter will either point toward those applicant tracking systems or collect the application on ZipRecruiter and submit it via API. So you never have to actually visit that site as a job seeker and leave ZipRecruiter. And so what's happening is our technology, whether it's by integration into somebody else's technology or because we're actually powering it, is increasingly pervasive in the job search process. Meanwhile, we're building a brand. As cold start a decade ago, over 70% of job seekers are aware of ZipRecruiter today, over 80% of employers, and we're just getting started on building that brand so that it will be much more intuitive and top of mind, even more so in the future than it is today about where to start and where to look when you're beginning a, a search process for a candidate or for a job. That all comes together, back to my earlier point, our strategy is the more data we get, the greater scale we get on both sides of our marketplace, the more our matching technology has to work with in terms of number of jobs, number of applicants, number of pieces of data to figure out which job fits with which job seeker. And that's when things just get better and better for us. Well, that's great, Dave. And just from all these thoughts about the economy, your technology platform, and we'd like to have your perspective on the competitive landscape, ZipRecruiter yeah. versus a LinkedIn versus Indeed. So many different players, how you can have your distinctions and differentiations stand out. Yeah, no, there, there are way over a hundred different places online. The biggest three are LinkedIn, Indeed, and ZipRecruiter. But there are a lot of others, including some that are from a much earlier in the in the history of the internet, like Monster and Career Builder and Craigslist. There are a lot of different places on the internet. What you'll find is that LinkedIn is a high-end white-collar social network that is incredibly powerful for professional social networking. And as a result of having all those white-collar professionals it's a place where you can really reach a lot of white collar job seekers. Indeed is a effectively a vertical search engine specifically for jobs. So very much like Google and its look and feel and approach to user experience, you know, having paid results and organic results and being greeted with a search bar, you know, is very familiar to Google users. ZipRecruiter is very much trying to and every day getting more and more so, take the very best of modern technology and make it more human. 
unless like you are at the receiving end of a technological output and more like you're interacting with another human being. And that's intuitive because the real competition for us and for everybody I've named so far is actually not each other. The way this industry works is that over 90% of the dollars, over $200 billion a year are spent on recruiting and well over 90% of that, close to $200 billion itself, is spent offline with staffing firms, inside HR departments, talent acquisition teams, with temp staffing, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's where the dollars are still being spent today versus other categories of search. Jobs really stick out as being an area where software has not yet eaten the world. And when you compare it to travel and the share that travel agents have today, or you compare to when you look for a house, how many people start by calling an agent as opposed to start by looking on an internet search site for a house. The share that has been taken by technology and by the internet in recruiting is still very low. That share is growing every day. And there are a bunch of really good reasons why it's been slower for technology to take over. There's a very high stakes decision where people have very low confidence in a lot of history of not being sure they made the best choice in hiring or taking a new job. And so it's very comforting to talk to somebody and talk to somebody who has expertise to validate their decision, whether hiring or taking on a new job. But technology is getting better and better relentlessly every day and can also be very human and very thoughtful as it does that. So technology will become a huge and growing part of the $200 billion market of which today, you know, it's a little over maybe 10 billion is online. The real challenge for us is not against those other online players and how we fit versus them and thinking competitively. The challenge is what is right for job seekers? What is right for employers? How do we get closer to our customers and deliver them more value? None of them want the process to go slower. None of them want lower quality search results. They all want it to be faster, more certain, less toil, more affirmation, less rejection. And we can do that. And our technology will help with that. And naturally, as part of that process, the largely offline world of recruiting will increasingly come online because it will be a better experience. With that point, I think our listeners really understand the opportunity ahead of you in online recruitment. Maybe a final comment from you on the addressable opportunity if the online recruitment will be ZipRecruiter's primary focus, or is there anything else underneath the HR umbrella that may be tangent to your technology and your platform from your view today? Yeah, there are a bunch of areas of HR technology that are really interesting and really relevant to the recruiting process, tangentially like performance reviews and payroll and all these different areas. But the opportunity I just described, the opportunity to connect people to opportunity and drive a better hiring process, a better job search price process is so big. We're so early in the transformation that modern technology is going to power in how that all works. That's really our focus, much more than any adjacent opportunities, which are definitely there. We have great partnerships with a number of players in that space. 
But I think focusing on recruiting and focusing on the core mission of the company to connect people rather than looking at the adjacent opportunities has always been and will continue to be our bias. We just see the power of eliminating priorities and increasing focus is always being a way to advance our core mission faster and faster. Dave, we truly enjoyed our conversation today. We look forward to seeing what comes from the ZipRecruiter platform over the medium term. Thank you for joining us today on Bloomberg's Tech Disruptors. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it.